Hey guys, this is Joy and Claire, and this week on the show, my friend Lisa Marib, licensed clinical social worker, is back to answer your questions. You submitted a lot of questions. Anytime we throw out a call for questions around eating, eating disorders, especially during this time when we're going through so much stress, we were really amazed at the questions you guys asked. So we brought on two listeners. We had a Zoom call. We answered some great questions. We had a really good conversation. We hope it helps you or someone you love. Feel free to share this episode. And then we lighten it up at the end with some would you rathers. Claire and I are also going to do our best to keep going with the bonus episodes of just Joy and Claire because we know how much you love those as well. So thank you for hanging in there for all of the topics that we cover. And here's a quick shout out from this week's sponsor. This week's sponsor of the podcast is our favorite blue light blocking glasses, Blue Blocks. Blue Blocks was created because they were unhappy with the quality and lack of science behind leading blue light blocking glasses brands. The other companies were mass producing unevidenced backed products in China with no understanding about how light impacts health. At Blue Blocks, they created three specific lenses for daytime, nighttime, and for color therapy, exactly in line with what the peer-reviewed academic literature was suggesting. Their products are made under optics laboratory conditions in Australia and are shipped all over the world. They have three lenses, Sleep Plus, Summer Glow, and Blue Light. They're the only company who offers blue light filtering lenses backed by the latest science. No substitute is made that will sacrifice optimal for cost. They have produced the most efficient and effective blue light filtering lenses on the market. They're the only company who offer the full range of lens technologies. Every member of their team is well-versed in the science, having researched light and health for years. Rest assured, they'll place optimal health before profit, and they'll only stock the best blue light filtering technology available. All of their lenses are manufactured and fitted in Australia Optics Labs, not overseas. This ensures a higher level of quality in each pair as opposed to mass-produced, cheaper options available, which often fail quality control tests. Their team constantly monitors the latest fashion trends and launches new lines of frames every 6 to 12 months. At Blue Blocks, their team makes sure you have the latest on-trend styles so you remain as cool as last season. They want to cater for everyone, so they offer a custom-made prescription service available. Whatever your prescription or reading magnification, they can make them into Blue Blocks for you. They're the only company that offers a send-in-your-own-frame service. Send them an old pair of frames or your favorite frames, and they'll turn them into Blue Blocks for you. They cater to everyone, including kids, and they have the largest selection of frames to choose from, whereas other companies have only a few pair. You can support the podcast by supporting Blue Blocks by using discount code JOY, that's me, discount code JOY at checkout. They also have a mission to give back. They partner with Restoring Vision in their buy one, get one campaign. For each pair of Blue Blocks they sell, they donate a pair of reading glasses to Restoring Vision, who then gift it to someone in need. Their mission is to give the gift of sight to those who cannot afford it. Thank you so much for supporting Blue Blocks. Blue Blocks, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com. The discount code is JOY. All right, on with the episode. Welcome back to the show, Lisa, my dear friend, therapist. We've known each other for a long time. I pretend like it's 10 years, 15 years, but really it's probably closer to 20. 
Uh, Lisa is a licensed clinical social worker. Lisa, welcome back. Hello. Hi. Uh, it's a little early for me, but uh, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for waking uh, up, and I hope you don't wake up your fiance. He's he's uh, he's sleeping across the room, across the the hallway with our little Chihuahua potatoes. So. <laughs> yeah. Potatoes is really the name of their dog. They don't have mm-hmm. a sack of potatoes in the room. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for coming back, and we're gonna have a really good conversation today. I think there's a lot of things on everyone's minds around, well, always on food eating exercise, diets, but I think especially now during this time while we're in a pandemic, we've been getting a lot of questions from people just about how they handle these emotions, uh, maybe coping skills that you may have viewed as unhealthy or really not great for you are coming back. And I know that I've talked about that on the show a few times just in terms of, hey, if you're falling into old patterns because they were a comfort for you, that's okay. Just make sure you're getting help if you were ever in a space where you needed professional help and so on and so forth. So I thought it would be really good timing to have a conversation around these issues that you may or may not be dealing with, or maybe these are creeping up for you. And then we also had, um, if you can't already tell listeners, we're on a Zoom call again, and we've been doing, we've been starting this uh, Zoom pattern to have people join the show with us to have a conversation, A, because it's really cool to connect with listeners, but B, I think it's just a re- develops a much richer conversation. So we have on the show Kylie and Aaron, and they reached out to us with some really great questions in regards to eating, diet, exercise, anxiety, things that you may be feeling during this time. So really quickly, Kylie, give us a brief intro, who you are and where you're from. Hi, uh, my name is Kylie Schbuck. Uh, I'm a marketing uh, specialist here in Seattle. I work at a small agency here. What else? I go to CrossFit at Seatown CrossFit. I promised a few people a little Aww. shout out. So just hey, down. Yep, that's about it. I've struggled with um, kind of a few different mental health issues for kind of most of my life, but outside of the pandemic, got to a fairly good spot these days. So, well, thank you for being here and thank you for sharing. And then we have Erin on the phone, on the phone, on the line as well. Hi, my name's Erin. I am a special ed teacher in Southern New Jersey, and I'm also a group fitness instructor. And so a backstory on me was growing up, I was a ballerina and a cheerleader. So there was a lot of pressure and just a lot of environmental factors that went into body image and um, a lot of focus on eating. So and appearance. And I kind of got wrapped up in that in middle school and high school. College was all right. After college, with all the ups and downs of job hunting and starting a new job, I kind of fell back into some old patterns. And Kylie just put in our little chat book. Chat book. She's like, I was a competitive dancer as well. And I was a dancer as well. And speaking (laughs) from all of our experiences, if you've been in that world, it is a petri dish for developing eating disorders or developing really unhealthy relationships with food and body and exercise. And so I completely understand that. I don't want to like discount the beautiful world of dance and competitive dancing or cheerleading, but it's just so focused on body image. It just is. It's like kind of unavoidable. Okay. And so Lisa, why don't you give us an intro too? Go ahead. I know you're well, like dying to talk. I was like, well, I just, I wanted to say too, I was, when, when Kylie put that up, I was like, yep, sounds about right. And I think what's important to like to really highlight is that what we know the two the two kind of gateways for developing an eating disorder 
our diet and exercise. And you see that come a lot around puberty. So when our bodies are already changing. So we kind of have the the deck stacked against us, yeah. uh, you know, at a very, very young age. Um, so yes, I have been a therapist for... Um, 15, 16 years. I've been working specifically with eating disorders for about 10 years now. Um, I'm a certified eating disorder specialist through IADEP, which is the International Association of Eating Disorder Professionals. And I've been working at all levels of care. So I've worked at a treatment hospital, residential treatment facility, inpatient, PHP, which is partial hospitalization, residential, IOP, outpatient. So um, I still, every time Joy's like, let's have our expert on, I'm like, oh, like all I can do. She doesn't do like that word, but, but it is. Word. It's when you've worked in the field for so long and you, this is really your specialty. Right. And I always tell people too, like, I'm also a human. Right. So we, in general, whether you're a woman or, you know, you know, somewhere along the spectrum, um, we, this is something that we struggle. We struggle with our bodies, especially in this culture. And I also just want to call out, Lisa, we've had you on the show many times before, but something that's really important to bring up is that we talk about a range of matters with eating, right? I don't like to say the word issues, but we talk about a range. So you may, listeners, you may be falling on the one spectrum of, yeah, this kind of crosses my mind. And yeah, I think about it. And yeah, I see the images and I kind of question whether or not I have a body that I like, or maybe I just don't like the way I look some days to something that is really giving you interrupting your daily life to a point where you maybe consider getting professional help. So like there's a whole wide range that we could discuss, but we're going to try to kind of keep it as broad as possible too, to help as many people as we can today. But let's start with some of the questions that Kylie and Aaron submitted to us. Um, I'd like to start if I can with Kylie and then we'll kind of swap back and forth. But I think we can overlap a lot of what we're talking today. I think you can both relate, especially as you just shared that you're both from a competitive dance background, um, that there's probably a lot of stuff that you can both relate to in each other's questions and sharing. So um, Kylie, do you mind if I just read the question and then you can provide some verbal follow-up? Sounds good. Okay, awesome. One of her first questions says, what strategies or ta- tactics would you recommend for someone struggling with overexercising in the past and being tempted to do it now? With being stuck inside, I know that I and a lot of people I know have a tempten- temptation to try and compensate for the lack of movement with more exercise. Even if my body isn't up for it, it's so easy to justify a run or a workout right now, especially as it's being recommended so much for people to keep moving. Kylie, if did I cover it? Do you have any follow-ups? And then Lisa, if you want to jump in. Uh, yep, that's pretty much it. Although now I realize <laughs> having you read that, that I was like, I ramble. No, you don't. No, you don't at all. It's so good. I love that you both submitted such thoughtful questions, but uh, you do not ramble at all. If 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 anyone rambles, it's me. I find myself rambling now. So Lisa, go. Well, now I'm going to actually say, let's not judge how we ask questions and let's not judge how we get stuck in our head. We make like, we, we apologize. And I do this too, Kylie and Joy. We apologize for talking. So just like I go back to like, 
like I'm always like everything, even if you leave food outside, we have this internal critic that man takes years and years and years to kind of disengage from. Mm -hmm. um, and if I'm looking, I, I did take some notes on this, but I think overexercise is a very difficult eating disorder behavior. So I talk about behaviors a lot. So that's when I'm talking about like restricting or exercise, binging, purging, binging. So you'll hear me say behaviors a lot, but overexercise is a really difficult one that I've seen my clients and my patients struggle with. And I think I was thinking about it from this question and it's actually kind of, regardless if there's a, a pandemic or not, going back to the idea of movement versus exercise, that our bodies are designed to move for joy. So I'm... <laughs> I realize I'm on a former CrossFit podcast, but I'm not a huge fan of high intensity workouts. <laughs> it's fine, Lisa. Just ask, no judgment. Well, and let me let me tell us let, why. Tell us let why. Let me say that with a caveat. So for for someone with an eating disorder history, I think it can kind of take some time before you can kind of get into a high intensity running, CrossFit, anything like that. It's not it's not a bad thing, but when you have a history of this kind of being something that you can kind of perseverate along around a little bit, it can be a little problematic. So that's why you make sure that you have a team and you're monitoring. I'm all for movement, but again, kind of shifting to how am I moving my body that's bringing me comfort and joy right now? And those are two words that I think we need now more than ever is what feels comforting, what feels good versus I need to check out. I need to, I'm, you know, scared. I, I don't want to feel what I'm feeling, which I think a lot of people with the history of overexercise, myself included, can use that as an unhealthy coping skill. So going back to movement and joy, the other thing that I, when I saw your question that I wrote down is now would be a great time to have what I call an accountability buddy, right? Or I think I butchered that account. You know what I'm trying to accountability say. Accountability buddy. Thank you. I, I added an extra liddy. So it might be, you know, if I know I have a tendency to like, maybe it's, hey, I want to call a friend for when I go for a half hour walk or maybe telling a friend like, hey, I'm going to get on and do this like home workout for 20 minutes. Do you want to do it virtually with me? Kind of helping someone kind of be a pal for you to kind of monitor that. And then again, I always reflect like going back to your, your team, how can you help me again with accountability? In terms of right now, especially, there's another thing that I think that I'm seeing during, I don't want to keep blaming the pandemic, but here we are. We're, we've been in a place that we've never been before. And I hope that we're never here again. And I've been finding myself saying that a lot at work to a lot of patients. We are in a place we've never been before, and I hope we never have to be here again. And so this is completely new territory. I don't think we realize how much this is impacting our lives and whether we are aware of it or not. And I think the thing that I keep seeing right now is everything shut down. We're not moving the same that we used to be. Everything that I'm seeing on social media is giving the message of you better not stop moving or you better, you know, now's a perfect time to focus on your diet or, you know, whatever it is, even though we know instinctively that like that's kind of just BS marketing uh, or these are just kind of diet culture tricks. 
it's still coming into our brain. It's still being absorbed. And so I think the thing that I just want to keep focusing on is while we can see those messages and we know better, it still kind of gets in because then we start questioning and we start going there. It's the same thing when someone brought up the quarantine 15. I'm like, what? Like now all of a sudden we have to, now all of a sudden we have a new term. The the freshman 15 is what threw me into a spiral when I was in high school. That term completely changed my life when someone said that. And so it's kind of the one of those things where if you live in a bubble, you never face all this crap, but we're, fa- we're faced with so much information that we can't undo it. We can't unknow it. And so the pressure to keep moving all of a sudden is now our worry. So that's kind of the thing that I wanted to bring up too, in terms of movement and pressure and exercise and all of that. Something that I said to Joy before we started, I said, I'm curious if other cultures are experiencing this. You know, I read some of your, you know, some of your questions with, with movement and food. And I was like, gosh, I wonder what it's like in Europe or New Zealand or in China, if, if, if people have the same fear. And I would bet that they don't. And so I was saying to Joy, I'm like, this is like this crazy American culture of like, these are our priorities. And the thing that I want to say, because I think this is really important, it's I've heard, and, and Aaron, I think in one of your questions, you spoke to this, I'm hearing a lot of what is wrong with me that I'm worried about weight gain, or I'm worried about my food, or yes. like, how could I be so shallow and so vain? See, we're always like bashing right, ourselves. We're always bashing ourselves. Like, why am I anxious? And then you get mad at yourself for being anxious. And so I want to like say for any listeners who are like, what is wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with you. This is, you are, you are a person in our culture right now that is trying to sort out all these feelings. Exactly. So you're not vain. You're not shallow. If these are the things that are on your mind. So anything else, any other, I, I hate to say the word tips, but anything else that, because I know there's a lot of listeners that have also submitted questions around the pressure to exercise or the pressure to diet or to dial in your diet, all of those messages right now people are facing. And I think probably more focused on now that they're home and they're around food. I've seen a lot of messaging around how to not snack throughout the day if you're working from home, like that type of thing. It's really kind of crazy making. So what advice or things that you can give people to think about when people are maybe stuck at home and they're feeling that pressure to put a lock on their fridge? I'm just kind of using a silly example, but that's like, how extreme sometimes people feel like they need to go. Get off social media. <laughs> I mean, I that's like one of the things. Now, now, of course, social media doesn't cause eating disorders for sure, d- disordered eating. But I like, for example, the other day, I just did a like, I'm not doing any media. I'm not doing any news. I'm not doing, I can take one day because it's probably going to be back again tomorrow. And I actually would encourage people like, because what happens in, you know, Joy, you, talk, you and I talk a little bit about intuitive eating. But what that does when we remove all of these other kind of, distractions, you kind of can hone in on your own experience. And I think too, the, the, the last thing that we should be worried about right now is our bodies changing. Again, there is nothing wrong with you if you are feeling that pressure because it's everywhere. But again, I'm kind of going back to like, how can we dial back and get some perspective? For me, my mantra lately has been like, what do I need for comfort and what do I need for joy? So exercise might not be a bad thing for you. Again, what we do, we tend to enjoy now we're talking about this. We do so much black and white thinking like, well, I either have to do X for movement every day or I shouldn't do anything, right? I have to eat this certain way or then it all goes out the window. 
So again, like we talk a lot about how can we kind of practice some flexibility and know that this is a gray area. And one thing that I think can be helpful, and it's been helpful for myself when I've been in a spiral about numerous things this week, is the reminder of there is going to be an end to it. We don't know when. We have no idea. Yeah. Uh, but this is not going to be this way forever. And I think sometimes too, I was like, I was like, your body in six months is not going to be like, remember that time that you had Doritos for lunch? Kind of going back and having like, your body doesn't work that way. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not going to do that. The other thing that I bring up with people too, this is just in general, not specific to eating disorder patients, but the thing that you just thought that you just talked about was like the end date, right? And six months from now, or feeling like you have some sort of control over looking over an end date. And I think with the pandemic, we don't know when this is going to end. We don't know how long this is going to last. This could research and we don't know that. And that's really scary. So Erin brought up a great point too, in some of her questions was fearing that there is no end date and you can't control a lot of these things. Well, the reality of life is we don't have control over anything but we feel like we have a rhythm and a rhythm is comfortable. A rhythm mimics control. So we have a pretty close rhythm to our life. We get up, we have breakfast, we work out, maybe we go for a walk, maybe we take the dog out, like you get ready for work. Like that's a nice predictable rhythm. And that feels like some control. Well, when we're in these times of, oh, if I go to the grocery store, I don't know if they're going to have these things in stock for me that I'm really used to. And that is comfortable for me. That's unpredictable. That feels scary. So Aaron brought up a lot of great points in terms of grocery shopping, having the things that are really, you're really used to seeing at the grocery store. These are your preferred foods. That disrupts our rhythm and feels very scary and maybe instills a lot of fear. So how do you suggest that we walk ourselves through that a little bit with these disruptions to our patterns? And especially if you're struggling with any type of mental health matter or you know a history of eating disorders, how do you deal with that when that starts to creep back in? Because I think there's a lot that has to do with feeling settled with ourselves or feeling like that we have some sort of comfortable pattern in our lives. And when that's disruptive, that really feels scary. Yeah, I can speak to that a little bit. And, and I want to speak to it in two parts. So one, I just want to highlight again, what we're talking about is a loss of control right now. Everybody, regardless if you have an eating disorder, if you're not, is, is feeling it. And there is, you know, I mean, you're hearing from the experts, but this is something I've done myself. I think it can be helpful to have a general routine. You know, I'm fortunate enough that I have a job that I can work from home right now, but I still get up around the same time, have my meals around the same time. You know, my fiance and I have lunch together every day. Like I take the dog for a walk. So knowing that like kind of establishing a routine gives at least me some sense of, I don't want to say control, but I want to say purpose and, and a routine that can really help with my own anxiety. The grocery store is a whole different issue. Erin, when I read your question, I was like, oh honey, like I, because I, I had to go to Walgreens. I've been lucky enough to have avoid the grocery store for the last three weeks. I had to go to Walgreens to get toilet paper two days ago and I was shaking like a leaf go like in the parking lot, like talking myself into like, okay, you got just go in and get, I mean, it was- Because you're worried just about being around people and Mm -hmm. germs and yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Kylie brought up a similar question. I just want to say that there was some overlap there um, in terms of the grocery store anxiety. And Kylie said, what would you recommend for someone whose safe foods aren't readily available at the store right now? 
while people should be working to incorporate more foods, doing so right now may feel extra challenging and not doable. It's a great question too. And I think that relates to errands. It's a great question because the reality, again, we don't have control over what's there anymore. You know, that's the really like, and it's when I read yours too, Kylie, so I was like, I don't even know what to say to that because it is like the reality is that safe foods, foods that we're comfortable might not be available. So I think- Can you, can you define safe foods for people who may not be familiar with that term? Well, it means something different for everybody. So I'm going to have Kylie say that without getting uh, into too much like, you know, calories or fats or things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you have a really good point. It differs. The definition I feel like slightly differs depending on who you ask. I don't necessarily, I kind of asked it thinking of other people, not necessarily myself. I, I don't even think I have a list in my head anymore, but essentially just something that feels comfortable most likely from when you were deepest in your eating disorder. Or something that didn't cause like an immense amount of guilt or shame or something like that. That's how, you know, I've kind of like learned about safe foods from all of my clients. And I think, so again, going back to having some acceptance around the fact of like these foods might not be here. Again, we go back to black and white. So that doesn't mean that you have to go down a different aisle of foods that you would never have, right? And I'm just like, you know, you don't have to have Oreos for lunch. If you decide to have Oreos for lunch, that's great, right? But so I'm talking about like small, small steps, right? So it's knowing I'm going to have to practice some flexibility in this and you, again, you don't have to go from this is like my meal plan to I'm going to totally go off my meal plan because that's going to feel super overwhelming as well. One thing that a dietitian that's working with one of my clients is doing that I love right now is she's having her incorporate one fun food a, a week. Um, and it's something that, that they do together. It's something that's fun because food does get to be fun at some point. That's the, the one of the, the, the great joys of eating and enjoying a, a meal. So going in baby steps, the other thing too, and like this is like every time I bring this up to my clients, they're like, screw you. I really don't like you. Exposure, exposure, exposure. So that's actually how we get through some disordered eating beliefs. Right? And this goes is, for OCD because I know Erin asked some questions around, or no, it was Kylie too. I think it was Kylie. I think you both have a lot of similar questions, but yeah. just around anxiety, 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 anything related to the OCD diagnosis is exposure. So you can talk a little bit more about that too. Well, and I think, so yeah, so exposing yourself, I'm sure it, if, if, if you've done any type of OCD treatment, you know that there's like a fear hierarchy, et cetera, et cetera. But for the general person that's listening, I think one thing that can be really helpful is identifying that the eating disorder or disordered eating thoughts is different than Kylie. It's different than Aaron. And so labeling my eating disorder doesn't like this food. My eating disorder is scared of this food. Um, I'm having the thought that this food is scary or I'm, you know, and really kind of being able to, to separate yourself from the, because oftentimes an eating disorder can feel like a totally different entity, right? So again, kind of labeling my eating disorder is freaked about this food. When you've been struggling with like an eating disorder, it's like, wait, what food is supposed to be fun? The other thing too is like, if, if you're like, why don't I find food fun? Again, nothing wrong with you. Like food is scary if you have an eating disorder, but I love like the point and 
I think, you know, what we're really talking about is this is a process, you know, you don't just decide to go see a therapist or go into treatment or, and, and a year later start feeling better about your body. That's the other thing I think we kind of have to be patient that this takes a long time. And I always tell people, if you kind of are worried about like, gosh, is like this process worth it, the therapy or treatment or et cetera, et cetera, you've never heard anybody say, I wish I didn't recover from my eating disorder. And I've said that on this podcast before. No one's ever said, well, it wasn't actually worth it. Mm-hmm. So I think, and, and this takes a really, really long time to have a better relationship with our bodies. Yeah. Sorry, I just saw, and I, I just saw Kylie's. Can I just read it out loud? I know. Can, can you do you mind expanding on that, Kylie? Can we read your yeah, comment really yeah. quick? Uh, I was just going to say, I was typing in the chat, but I said, I still remember the point that I started actually enjoying food again. I wrote, it was magical. Um, but it really was like, I still remember the point. I don't love mentioning specific food, but it was literally like I started enjoying cheese again. And it was like the most magical thing when I was like, oh my God, I could just sit down and have cheese and crackers, maybe a little wine. And it was like, it felt like I was back, I guess. Yeah. It's like, you're back. It's so, <laughs> it's so exciting. And, and to, when you realize too, that it's, that you can enjoy and not have that fear at the same time, you're kind of like, oh. <gasps> Oh, I'm into this new world. It's so exciting and it's step by step. And that's really, really cool. I seriously got chills when Kylie just said that. And then I got all emotional. I had like almost a tear. I know. And, and I'm I can, reading. Because like, I can like, I can sense it. I can like feel that. Yeah. And I think, and I, because I, I kind of like, I didn't know we were going to go in this direction, but we kind of are. And I saw, you know, Aaron. Aaron, do you want to say what you just, you just wrote? Oh, yeah. I, um, I was thinking when Kylie said that, that I used to avoid every kind of like work party or a party like that because I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm going to like those foods or they won't have my foods they won't and then I can't go work out afterwards because I'll be full of all this other food and I'm always like a eat everything or eat nothing type of person it was all or nothing but then I went to I started going to the baby showers at work and the bridal showers and I was like oh my gosh like these brownies these are good this is why we get up in the morning like it's okay and it was very freeing and it's like it was a very nice experience. And then just being able to go get ice cream with my friends because ice cream was on my no list. And then I was like, girl, you you haven't lived. Like This is so much better. Yeah. It's so, so exciting. And what we're talking about here is values. So this is what I talk about with all of my clients. I think this is a key to recovering from any type of disordered eating patterns, habits, eating disorder, really identifying what it is that you value. What do you want to be known for? What do you want your life to be about? And I work with the most brilliant, creative, incredible men and women. And it's rarely, usually they're like, oh yeah, it's not really about my body. Like I don't, like I don't, I always say like at at your tombstone, at your death, it's not going to be like she had, you know, really nice abs, you know? So, so I think really kind of being able to dial back and get perspective. And I think I said on the podcast before, Joy, like what you're doing with your plate is what you're doing with your life. And what I, like, I hear, like I could sense Aaron, the freedom of like, oh, like I can just go have some brownies and I can, like, I don't have to do things the way that I've been doing them. And the other thing too, that I want to, it's okay to eat things and still be scared because I think what we're talking about is like this, oh, like, you know, I can imagine people thinking like, oh my gosh, I couldn't go have ice cream right now. Like that would be scary. 
if I was your therapist, I'd be like, so what? Do it when you're scared because right. exposure. Right. So, right. I'm not exposure, the exposure, exposure. Oh, that's what I was going to say too. Like, I think that's what I was forgetting is like the exposure and going and doing, even if you're scared, is really what's going to move us through these things. And so, kind of facing those fears, feeling the fear and doing it anyway, those are the things that will slowly, slowly, slowly start to build upon one another. And sometimes it's just as small as being like, okay, I'm afraid, quote unquote, I'm afraid, whatever. I'm using an example of eating a cookie, but you you have the cookie, you take the cookie, you eat the cookie, you talk yourself through, oh, I'm okay. Like there's really, the avoidance is just going to build and build and make that monster stronger and stronger and stronger. And so the more you can kind of like open the closet, open it, put the light on it. And like, oh, it's actually not as scary. It's just how our minds build. Our minds are so powerful, so powerful that they can make up things so huge that all of a sudden a cookie is as big of an elephant of a fear. And so, you know, even just being like, okay, I'm, I'm afraid of this, but oh, after the fact, it wasn't so bad. And I think something else we can get to at some point too, is people feel so scared of opening. If you, if you open a crack, the floodgate's going to open and I'm never going to get control again. I see I a lot of nodding too. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I like this is kind of like going off that. The other thing kind of when I go back to like safe foods are like the foods that I wouldn't normally eat at the grocery store and how scary this is for me. And, you know, I can't open the door because I don't trust myself. I think one thing we need to remember, and I've said this before, is that what we know is deprivation actually increases food obsession. So the more we're depriving ourselves, the more we're restricting, the more we're engaging in black and white, this is good or that's bad food, the more you actually will be obsessing about it. So it's like one of this, like this horrible, vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I wanted to, and this is simplifying a little, but just for the point of the podcast, I, I am encouraging people that you have your normal foods that you stick to that you're safe. And Aaron, you reminded me of this is like, wait, what if I actually like ice cream? Like we're so disconnected from our bodies that we have no idea. No like, idea. What we like or no what, idea. you know, we have like yeah. a list of like, okay, well, like I eat this and this is yeah. all good and everything, nothing against kale, but yeah, I have my kale chips, whatever. But like we forget what we actually like, like. to eat. Yeah. And I had to like, there was this hist like the other day, my fiance wanted to have a different dinner than I did. And like, again, I'm like scared to go to the grocery store. So I was like rummaging through the cabinets to find something. But you're scared because you're very scared of the germs. I just yes. want to clarify that. I'm, yes. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I'm scared of catching COVID. <laughs> so... So like I Lisa laugh, won't even like, drive. Like Lisa's no. on, we Marco Polo every day and Lisa's like, I don't even want to get in my car. And I'm like, Lisa, okay, we no. need to talk. <laughs> I don't, I don't leave the house. I'm like terrified. But so I'm like going through the, the, uh, the cupboards and I found a package of like old school college ramen that I probably haven't had in 10 years. And I was like, I said to him, I'm like, how old are you? A 20 year old boy? Like we have old school ramen. And, um, I made it for dinner because that's what I had. And I was like, why don't I eat ramen every week? Like, I forgot that it was delicious. So I just wanted to like, again, you might surprise yourself when you do have to be flexible in some foods and you might think, oh, like, I actually like this. Sorry. I'm, yes, I want to. No, I was just thinking it reminded me. Claire and I talked about this on a recent when we went to LA and we went to matzah. Did you guys hear that by chance? Like we, we went, yes, they're like, yes, um, we went to matzah and it was such, 
I will never forget that night because like I remember sitting there and we were both like, this is the most amazing meal. This is what this is what meals should be like every night. Now, granted, I'm not going to make a full course like meal for me and Scott, but like just the, the energy around it was what struck me was we're sitting there in this great restaurant. Everyone, like the hum of the restaurant, the food was beautiful. The food was very rich and satisfying where like every bite almost forced you to slow down because it was so complex. And so I think about diet foods and I'm using like air quotes, like diet foods that are so mostly bland or they're stripped away from fats and, you know, things that seem scary to us. And they're not super, uh, I don't want to say palatable. I'm sure you can make anything taste delicious, but they're kind of like designed to be low calorie and whatever. They're boring. They're boring. They can be boring. And I just remember thinking like the way we're supposed to eat is to eat foods that almost force us to slow down and really take in the flavors. And if we're eating bland, diety foods, it's not going to satisfy us. We're kind of going through the motions. It's not filling us emotionally. <laughs> we think it is, but you know, we're kind of like in this weird going through the motions with a plate of food that's just kind of mediocre to our senses. And food should be this full sense experience And I'm not saying like who has the time to do that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But what I'm saying is like that really taught me at 42 years old (laughs) that like, oh, this is what it's supposed to be like. And I think it just takes so much life experience and learning to kind of get to these aha moments. So I was very grateful for that. But it was so, so cool. And I just will never forget it because I remember thinking like, yeah, the guy with the bread pellet, come on back. You know, we're having this great meal together and experiencing from start to end, just slowing down, having every bite just blow our minds. <laughs> and that is how food should be respected, I think, or like we should be respectful of our bodies of, the, of that type of food, of just having that full flavorful experience. And so I'm not trying to say that that's a realistic situation for every meal, but I'm just saying in terms of how we look at like diet foods and the foods, like Erin wrote in the comments, she's like, it turns out the ice cream sundaes sometimes taste better than dry kale and non-seasoned chicken. Who knew? It's like, yeah, like the ice cream is supposed to, it tastes good because it's a very satisfying, full flavors experience. It should be a taste explosion. I remember we talked to some diet person way back before we were (laughs) anti-diet in our podcast. Before you were woke. Before we were woke. (laughs) And and he's like, yeah, not every mouth is not every mouthful of food is supposed to be a taste explosion. I just remember thinking like at the time I laughed at that, but now I'm like, but shouldn't it be like life's supposed to be fun? Shouldn't we have some taste explosions every day? So anyway, I just I I, that got me thinking so much just about how we experience our meals and our food. And I think too, reminding that it takes some time to get there. Like I like Joy, you and I have known each other for years and I'm like, oh my God, we would not have been having this conversation like 15 years ago. No way. Oh my no, God. I know like I can hear like, like this is the stuff I love to geek out and talk about because I love food and I freaking love cheese, Kylie too, that I'm just like, that's my jam. 
And, you know, but it, it took me a long time in terms of my relationship with my body and my food to get there. And so I can imagine people being like, oh my God, like I want to go, what was it? Matzah or, oh, yeah. Like I was like, I, I will never get there. I could never enjoy an ice cream. I could never do that. You can, it just, it takes a lot of work. And while I'm kind of like, while I'm on that subject, so if anyone is really struggling, there's a couple of things, because I know there was a question about um, in having meals together. I've one of one of um, either Kylie or Aaron asked about like I it's been helpful for me to have meal accountability or yeah I think it was Aaron and there are like this is another one much like the exercise like this might be like can you do a FaceTime dinner with your parents? Can you do a FaceTime lunch with a college roommate or something like that? Really learning how to ask for support. A lot of people are having meals together virtually. And there's also, there's a couple of resources that I just wanted to say if people are really struggling with meal support. And there's a, um, it's called the Eating Disorder Recovery Specialist, EDRS. They just do like meal support. They accept some insurances. We can put a link on the show, but call them. Like they can even just do like once a week or I mean, your insurance might cover it. They're a great company. There's also the Eating Disorder Foundation here in Denver. I want to give them a plug because I do a volunteer group for them on Saturdays for over 30, clients over 30. All of their groups right now are virtual and they are free of charge. And they are doing on Fridays, they do a lunch group. They do a friends and family group. They do over 30. They do, they have like 15 groups or maybe a little less than that going right now. So you can log on and join that. Also, a lot of programs are doing virtual IOPs, which is intensive outpatient programs. And uh, again, your insurance might cover it. If you're feeling like I need more support, usually the IOP programs are three days a week or three evenings, not even days. Like You can log on in the evening for four hours. So there is support and you're not alone. So I wanted to kind of plug that as well. Yeah. And I'll post the resources that you mentioned in our show notes here. And then as always, if you have follow-up questions, you can email us. This is Joy and Claire at gmail.com and we can answer your questions or put you in touch with Lisa to provide additional resources or help to find a therapist in your area. I will say that till I'm blue in the face. If anyone needs help finding a therapist in your area, just please message me and I can help with that for sure. Okay. So Kylie also said that it is possible, always feels impossible to get closer. It's it's very, very true as far as like that relationship that you have with food. Um, it feels impossible, just like anything you're going through when you're kind of like in the depths of it. You're like, I don't even how to, I don't know how to dig myself out of this. And sometimes when I'm dealing with a patient who's so overwhelmed, if you're at a point, even if you're not at a point of I guess I would say like a, a rock bottom or a point where you're like, I can't do this anymore. A lot of times I'll just tell people like, get help, seek help, let them do the work for you for a while until you can just show up, just show up. We'll do the work, let the therapist do the work, just show up and we'll help you until you can do your own work. Because sometimes people are like, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what to do. I can't even get help because I can't do it. It's like, all right, fine, let, let us do that. And then once you're strong enough and you feel like you're wheels are turning a little bit more, you will be able to do the work, I promise. Um, it just feels, it feels very impossible. Well, and I, I just also wanted to say when people feel are feeling overwhelmed, I tell people and myself, just make the next right decision. That's all you have to do at any point. If you feel like you slipped and you overexercised, or maybe you binged, or maybe you purged, or you know, whatever, you just 
make the next right decision. And then for for my perspective of recovery, it becomes just a long pattern of the next right decisions. Some people would argue they don't know what the next right thing is too. And that is something we can help figure out. That's why you you get a therapist. Yeah, that's why you get a therapist. If you're like, I don't know what the next right decision is. So I want to start wrapping up, but I feel like it's going to go on for a lot longer because we always do that. I want to talk a little bit about Lisa because Kylie brought up a question too. And I think it relates to Aaron's as well is kind of at this time in our lives, just thinking of our audience and people who may be struggling with something similar, what what tips do you have? You know, a lot of folks are with eating disorders, don't feel adept to coping with uncertainty and may be having trouble adapting during the pandemic. So with the pandemic feeling so uncertain and the stay-at-home isolation orders indefinite, what would you suggest to making it feel more bearable? And this kind of also goes with Aaron's question about like, what do we do with not feeling like an end date? What do we feel like? What do we do when we feel like we're out of control? What do, what can we do to kind of make this feel less crazy? I mean, I'm working on that myself. You know, I want to say we're all in this together. And there's days where I'm like, I can't get out of bed because I'm so scared and so, so sad. And I think the thing is, right, so diversifying our coping skills, right? So I wanted to make sure I went back to that because... I know there's been a lot of questions about exercise and movement and yeah. I think it's really important that like if you want to go for a run, go for a run. That just can't be your only coping skill. Same with like alcohol or food. If you're like Sunday, like I really need to have this food, it's going to make me feel better. Great. Food also can't be the only coping skill. So what else are you doing to kind of take care of yourself, whether it's a bath every night, whether it's like, I mean, I've scheduled, like I talk to my college roommates every Friday at 3.30, diversifying support, diversifying your coping skills. The other thing too that I've done a lot of lately is, because I think it can be really helpful, like we have to tune into what we're feeling. And I think we don't do a great job of that. Sometimes I'm seeing a lot of like, stay positive, which drives me nuts. Nuts. It drives me crazy. Like I hate to po- say, as someone who wants to be positive and I like look at silver linings, I'm like, I'm so sick. I'm all, I don't want to keep going off of bunny trails, but I'm so sick. I'm also really sick of all the messaging where people are like, it's okay to eat whatever you want right now. It's okay to, I mean, what is it? It's like, it's the diet culture messaging that I'm seeing about be careful of gaining weight during the pandemic, which is crazy, or make sure that you're moving during the pandemic. But I'm also seeing an enormous amount of people posting stuff about don't fall into the diet culture during the pandemic. And I feel like that's just as bad for me because it's still focusing on Black diet and culture. White. It's not and I'm like, us- I just want to look at dog videos. Stop, you know, <laughs> I guess I could unfollow these people, but you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I recently have unfollowed people. So I think now is a good time to, to really kind of think about boundaries. And this is like, as therapists, we can't get through a mental health podcast without talking about boundaries, being very, very careful of your energetic boundaries. Our boundaries are literally in our homes right now, but knowing like, it's okay to unfollow someone or some account that doesn't make you feel good. It's okay to limit your interaction with like a dear friend just because every time you talk to them, you know, you feel worse. Like it's okay. And I go back to again, and this is the problem, Joy. It's like, yeah, go ahead and have all the food that you want and don't worry about it. It, The pendulum swings. Like no But I I, I would say that 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 makes people just as anxious too. Yeah. Because then it also gives this weird idea that there's kind of, again, these boundaries or no boundaries around food. Where it's like, can we just like eat what we feel like eating? Like, I don't, mm-hmm. why are you, mm-hmm. stop yelling at me. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And I'm seeing this, like, I'm, I'm like, you know, I know, um, Kylie just said, like, you know, she has to be careful about who she's following right now. And that's okay. I've had to Um, unfollow a lot of people we used to follow too, especially mm -hmm. in the CrossFit world. And even people who call me, sometimes I'm like, I'm going to let that go to voicemail. Like voicemail, voicemail is a beautiful boundary. So I just want to answer your phone. I don't answer my phone. It depends on who it is. And now people, if anyone's listening to this, they're going to be like, she didn't pick up. She must not want to be friends with me right now. Um, I don't know. We were going. There was so anyway. Again, we were skills. Yeah, sorry. I I, divorced. I'm loving this. Like virtual happy hours with my friends. Royal wedding documentaries. Like I love this. Oh, I wanted to go back to really be intentional about what am I feeling right now? Because if we deny that we're feeling uncomfortable and if we deny that we're feeling anxious or scared, like that just perpetuates this cycle of feeling disconnected from ourselves. So you can also, if you want to YouTube tapping. I've been tapping a lot. Oh, Um, can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, I'm not really an expert. Actually, my therapist was like, you need to start tapping. Is it called, is it like the same thing as EFT? It's the emotional freedom. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of tapping. I've done a lot of like, I I used to have a therapist that would have me tap, but if you want to Google it, I think it's called the emotional freedom technique or tapping. It's very similar to kind of how we do EMDR. Yes. So I want to just kind of call that out. It's not, not the protocol of EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprogramming. There's actually, sorry, there's a YouTube tapping for coronavirus out there right now. You literally do tapping for coronavirus. If anyone can see, we're just like tapping. There's like, there's like, it's, what is it? Like certain touch points that are supposed to release some type of emotions. Anyway, Google it. Vegas nerve, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Kind of like an acupuncture, but not anyway. Acknowledging your emotions, making sure that you're recognizing your emotions. Now, a lot of people are just too busy with what's going on right now with managing families, and so they may just not have the wherewithal. So I also want to make make sure that people, after this is over, I worry about the aftermath of this as well. I almost worry that the, when this is over, we're going to kind of have this re- resurgence or this wave of mental health stress of looking back and going, what the hell just happened? So I want to make sure people are aware of that down the road, that when this is over, this may not be over for you emotionally, that there's going to be a lot to process as well. So I just want to call that out. If you're feeling super stressed or maybe kind of like overwhelmed with the past year, just just take care of yourself and recognize that. And that's totally, totally normal. I want to finish with a few quick questions. And certainly, Kylie and Aaron, if you have any questions that you want to keep addressing, certainly put them in the chat box and we can chit chat or if anything like last thoughts that you want to share about what we've talked about today, please let me know. And then we'll get to some would you rathers to lighten us up towards the end, as I promised. But we had some quick questions from our listeners too. And just kind of the themes, Lisa, that we were kind of, that we were reviewing before we hit record was about binging too during the pandemic. And so a lot of people are feeling like they're stuck at home. How do you deal with binge eating? How do you deal with foods that are around that? I mean, that's kind of the theme that I've got with a lot of questions is that fear of food and battling the urge to binge during these crazy times. Can you talk just really, I know it's briefly, we don't have a ton of time left, but what are your thoughts or recommendations to give people tools? 
I'm like, how do I make a very long thing short? I mean, I really think going back to deprivation, hunger restriction is what we know actually kind of leads to binging. So like making sure you are getting enough food as it is. Am and exposing breakfast. Perhaps exposing yourself, doing the exposure, exposure, exposure to the foods that potentially you consider bad foods. Right. You're labeling right. foods. Right. So maybe I hate to say the word allow, but if you're in that spot, perhaps letting yourself eat a bad food that mm-hmm. you would consider a scary food. Mm-hmm. And perhaps that will help with not feeling like it's a restriction, restriction, restriction. And checking in real quick of like, what am I feeling right now? What do I need right now? Do I need to go sit outside in the sunshine? Do I need to call my mom, which I do every day now? Or do I need to have some Doritos? And so really seeing if you can kind of just hit pause, check in, what what do I need right now? And it might be Doritos. It might be talking and- to your mom. And to acknowledge if you are, how do you feel about the term emotional eating, Lisa? Uh, well, I don't know. I <laughs> I don't love it. Yeah. Um, I think because I like I come from the perspective that it's okay to use food as comfort. As a coping skill. Like it's yeah. not just like, you know, something to fuel your body. It's a machine. <laughs> right. Like it's only okay. eat kale. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm like emotional eating can be great. Yeah. You know, like yeah, there's yeah, yeah. nothing better than some brie and some wine, like when you're having a bad day. Yeah. You know, so I don't really like that term. Okay. Again, it's it's how else are you taking care of yourself, not right. just with food. Like the whole grand picture of your life. And that's where I, I always do my circle drawing with patients. Like if you were this, this whole circle, here, here's you as a big circle. And like the middle point is like when you're born. <laughs> and then you just fill in all these things in the circle, of like kind of what make you up. You're not, your whole circle is not full of food or an eating disorder or that trauma that happened when you were seven or, you know, like you aren't that one thing. You're just like this collection of things. So just in that same vein, how you kind of live your life in that, you know, what piece of the, of the pie you're filling up, that is that diversifying that you're talking about, you know? So if, if you're, one of your pieces of pie is like sometimes sometimes I like to have a glass of wine or two or three that's not gonna, <laughs> that's not going to be that's not who you are you know like that's not your one coping skill so as long as it's not like the only coping skill that you have that's filling that bucket but I want to kind of give a funny not funny but just an example maybe that this is helpful at all but like yesterday was a great example I had a, such a stressful day at work from start to finish it was just very very busy and a lot coming at me and I felt super stressed and I have this I almost do this as a, this sounds really weird, Lisa, don't diagnose me, but I bought a huge economy size of peanut butter filled pretzels from Costco and I have it at my desk at work because that to me used to feel scary and I'm doing that exposure thing. So I'm just like using these tools on myself. I'm using this as, as an example. I have it on my desk because I'm like, I can have that at any time that I want. So I grab handfuls throughout the day and I just, some days I'm like mindful about it because I'm like, do I want this right now? But it, there's some days I don't freaking have time to think about it. Yesterday was one of those days. Yesterday I was like nervous eating and I was like crunching because I was anxious and I was like pacing my office on the phone and I kept grabbing handfuls. And I remember thinking, this is a perfect example where I am mindlessly eating, but I'm also not going to judge myself for that. Here's what I'm doing right now. It was just like that mindful practice. And I don't do this every day. So I was like talking myself through this. And then I also had a moment at the end of the day, which I haven't had this feeling 
and I don't know if I'm going to put this in the podcast, but I, I want to share this with you guys. But like I had this moment at the end of the day, and I think I marco you this, Lisa. I was so, I had not like felt, and this is, this is all because of COVID-19 and my work in mental health right now. Very stressful sometimes with like patients and coworkers. And there's a lot of changes that we have to do. And because I manage a clinic, I have to help with a lot of these changes. So it's, it was just a very stressful day. But by the end of the day, I was so stressed out that I was like, I want to get rip-roaring drunk. And I have not had that feeling probably since I was 21 years old. Like I don't get drunk. I don't have a desire to drink that much. Like wine at the end of the day, a glass or two, like is my max. That's just my body has like a very hard shut off valve with alcohol. (laughs) But I remember thinking like, wow, I was at a stress level so high that my body just wanted to be like, you need to get obliterated. Just go home and drink yourself to sleep. And it was just so weird because I haven't had that thought in so long. But that's kind of the stress levels we may be dealing with right now. Or grabbing those handfuls of peanut butter pretzels and just chomping through them throughout the day mindlessly. And I remember thinking, we don't have time some days to sit there and be like, do I want this sandwich for lunch or do I want this for lunch? You're like, we just don't. That's not how life works, you know? And so I think that being able to be at a spot where I was like, oh, well, that's just what happened today was another step for me, like a personal like leap for me. And so I just encourage everybody to kind of like give themselves that grace. But also I loved what you talked about earlier too with Lisa, with just like that exposure piece of just being like, just do it. Go do your biggest fear and let's see what happens. We won't know till we do it. Well, and also knowing it's okay to like everybody mindlessly eats at some point. That's like a normal human experience. And I go back to, I often, I talk about what we're eating or what we're craving is usually a sign of what we need. So when I'm hearing you talk about that joy, I'm like, that day sounds like you just sound like pissed off, stressed out. And like, oh, I was so pissed. Right. And then I I was this whole past week, I was so pissed off. Because there's something (laughs) about the crunching. Like, I'm like, yeah, right. Right. Versus like, I have a client who like is really struggling with sweets right now because the poor thing is like, I need comfort. Like, I need to feel love. I need to. So, again, like just having some curiosity about it and then making the next right decision. Not that there was anything wrong with what you did, but be like, you know, like that was not the greatest coping skill. Yeah. It was. What do I do next? time. What do I do next time? I have more peanut butter pretzels because they're good. Or maybe it's I take a walk. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So can I do one last question about what's the difference between an eating disorder and disordered eating habits? So I think people have a question around where do I fall on the spectrum, which kind of goes to what Brene Brown talked about recently on one of her shows was like this comparative suffering we, we do was where do I stand? Where is my situation and how bad am I in this whole realm of eating disorders. So can you talk a little bit about that of like, maybe when people feel like, oh, I I need to keep an eye on this versus like, maybe I should go see a therapist. And what do you think about that? Oh God, that's a really tough one for me because there's a whole gray area. And what happens for a lot of clients is they think, well, I... I'm not that bad. I there's a lot of comparison around like, well, I might restrict my food, but my body doesn't look really bad, so I'm fine and that prevents them from seeking treatment. So there's a whole and also like the DSM, which is our diagnostic and statistical man- manual for therapists to diagnose, it's bullshit when it comes to eating disorders, so I don't know if I can say that, but there's a lot of based on so like what we do is we make there can be danger in uh, listing the severity because 
is that a lot of people won't get care because they're like, well, I just, you know, I only purge once a week. That's not a big deal. I like tread lightly on that. And if you are worried, and what I would say is if you're worried about your behavior, so if you find yourself doing what I have talked about, like first of all, like binging and purging is is not normal. And I don't mean that and there's something wrong with you. If that's something you struggle with, you need to seek some help. If you've questioned anything that you go through, and because again, we live in a culture that normalizes a lot of these behaviors. Well, it's normal to do all of this. If you are responding to anything or there's a nagging feeling that you have in your stomach, please seek treatment. Um, It's not about your label. It's not about what you're diagnosed with. If this is impairing your life and your relationships, it's time to get help. It doesn't matter what you look like or the severity. And even just one session. I always tell people, just schedule one session. Because I think there's a lot of times people think like, what is this going to look like? What what do you mean treatment? And what do you mean I have to talk to a therapist? And I think that can be really scary. So I'm like, just try and schedule with one person, Mm -hmm. talk it it out, see how it goes, see how you feel, and just take one step at a time. Okay, I lied. (laughs) Can I do one more question? I I really want to address this and we may just need to do another episode, which I always say at the end of ours. But um, I think the question comes up a, a lot of how do I reconcile if I feel like I need to lose weight or people who are like, I just want to be healthy and... I do want to lose some weight, but how do I reconcile that with body acceptance? That's like the hardest question for me. (laughs) I don't even know how to answer that. I don't even know. Because are we talking about two separate things? I feel, I feel, I know, but like that's a hard thing to untangle, right? It's a hard thing to untangle because I think here's what I think. Like it just to make it like wrap up in a box in a bow, and maybe we'll just part two this. Yeah, maybe. How do you reconcile? Okay, I want to lose weight, but also focus on body acceptance. The first thing that comes to mind for me is I don't think it's like I don't think those two have to live in the same house. Like, I think you can love your body. And then if you have a desire to lose weight, I go back to the original episode we did with you. It's like, okay, why? So let's not tangle those into a love match right now, but let's take those two separate things and separate them into two two different rooms. And okay, so... I'm just curious. Why do you want to lose weight? I, like, what does that what does that mean? Tell me more. Is it a medical issue? Like, what's going on? Because if it's tangled into the body acceptance, then I would worry. I, I think that there's some work that needs to be done to untangle those two. Body acceptance, I think, also goes with self concept and confidence and self love. So I don't think that body acceptance lives in its own little world either. I think that is really wrapped up in our identity. What I can say is this, and this might not be a popular opinion, but from my experience with over 10 years of this and thousands of people, losing weight has never made someone feel better about their body. Uh uh-uh. That's what I can say. And I see ever, <laughs> everyone's ever, head is ever, like, ever, ever, ever. And, and that's the thing, right? And I go back to Natalia, like, why? Why do you want to lose weight? Well, I want to feel better. That, that has never happened for any of my clients, ever. So I just like, that's what I can say is ask why. And in fact, actually, I usually see the reverse happen. 
weight loss happens and they feel more insecure. There's heads nodding again. They feel, yep. you know, more. Because it then all of a sudden makes you focus on how much you weigh. Because then you're just chasing this number, this weird number that yep. you probably just made up in your head, yep. as opposed to talking to a physician about maybe a health concern you have. And if they're telling you something like, well, this may be, and I know there's so much controversy around people saying doctors shouldn't tell you you need to lose weight. I think that's up to you and your physician. If you trust your physician and there's something, some medical condition that's related to weight, perhaps that's something you guys need to discuss. I'm not an expert in that field, but I just know that's a very touchy subject to hear a lot of people saying like, doctors should never tell you to lose weight. I'm like, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's some conditions. So that aside, I just feel like the goal to lose weight is a slippery slope. And I think what you're saying too, is like, if you've ever been to that place where you've lost weight, then it just, it's kind of like, sometimes it feels like a point of no return because your body typically typically is so smart that it wants to pull back to its desired weight. The body rules. Our minds do not rule it. (laughs) The body's like, yeah, we got your biology down. We're pretty smart. So you can try to do this thing with us, but we're gonna keep we're gonna keep you healthy and we're gonna keep you alive. That's what we do. That's what our bodies are designed to do. So I just find that conversation we could probably do another series on that alone. But um, Kylie did mention too, because uh, we we talked about like, have you ever lost weight and felt better about yourself? And she says, my lowest weight was the point of my lowest self-confidence. And it's like, I'm not that speaking for everybody, but it's a very common answer. You're yeah. like, I'm not speaking for everybody. I'm like, I am. And it's true. <laughs> I just go back to like my experience is that like, it's never solved anything for anybody. So the, the bigger issue is how do I work towards some acceptance of my body is the way, you know, if you are, if you are nourished and you are eating and um, using air quotes, you know, normal meal plan, your body gen- generally like has a place where it wants to be. And I think having some acceptance around that is going to help heal your body image versus losing weight. Mm-hmm. Anything else specifically right now, Lisa, that you're seeing um, aside from like my personal annoyance with all the messaging just around diet, whether it's whether it's don't pay attention to diets or pay attention to diets during this pandemic, all of a sudden we either have to really pay attention or not pay attention. <laughs> it's just, it's driving me nuts. I think um, the other thing that I can speak to is the, the struggle. So we know that eating disorders thrive in, in isolation. Isolation, yeah. Secrecy. So I'm seeing that's almost been the, one of the other big themes that I'm seeing is that people are really, really struggling with being alone and feeling lonely. And, and that's why, you know, I'm glad we're talking about this because join one of the, the support groups. You might have to really like make an effort to be like, I need to reach out to one person every day. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's like, this is like, regardless of eating disorder, like right now, not equating social distancing with isolation. So there's a lot of support. There are groups that you can join and like call a friend. I loved your idea on a few podcasts of writing cards to people. I love my that. favorite. I do I that all the time. And if you don't have like, if you don't want to go to the store and get cards, something else I've been doing is using a, a card app called Ink. And then there's one called Just Wink. And those two apps are so cute and you can easily send cards through the app and it's pretty inexpensive. That also makes you feel like you're sending cards, but actually writing handwritten notes or writing cards. I I just think that's such a great thing to do. Okay. How about we finish with some would you rather's? Yay. Okay. Let's do three. And here's why. Can I just say like why I really wanted to do this? I really believe that 
humor and laughter. First of all, that's one of my personal values. But I think when you're really stuck in disordered eating or an eating disorder, you lose laughter. Like a sense of humor just goes out the window. Totally. And it's so important like that because we, we take ourselves so seriously. And we're we really so, do. I was like, we need to laugh. So anyway. Sorry. Oh, so by the way, just on that note, uh, when I left my stressful day yesterday from work, when I left work and I was super stressed, I left laughing because I remember thinking I'm always reminded that life is not so serious. So I remember leaving just laughing like, oh my gosh, this day was so nutty. Yes. And I just have to let it go because I don't want to live my life in the chains of like stress when stress at work. I don't want that to overtake my life. Like it's just not that stressful. So I remember leaving just being like, oh my God, that day was insane. Okay. So would you rather, and we'll go, I'll call you out of what you want for your would you rather. So <laughs> would you rather be able to see 10 minutes into your own future or 10 minutes into your future of anyone but yourself? Lisa. Oh my God. I wasn't expecting that as a would you rather. Wait. So, so 10 minutes into future? your future or 10 minutes into the future of anyone but you. Anyone but me. Really? Yeah. I don't want to know what's... Yeah. Anyone <laughs> but me. I like... Oh... No, half the time I'm like, and that's probably because like, I kind of like, I'm high novelty seeking, right? So I have like a motorcycle and I'm like constantly like, I'm like, I'm probably going to die in like, you know, a 10 minutes. So I, so I would rather not like okay. <laughs> anyone else. I think I would want to know 10 minutes ahead. I, that's actually a really good question. I'm going to go me. Okay. How about you, Kylie? Oh, definitely anybody else. I don't, I <laughs> you don't, don't know. need to know. No. How about you, Aaron? Is it like a 10-minute window from now or yes. any 10 minutes in our life? Oh. No, 10 minutes from now. Probably somebody else because in 10 minutes from now, I know it'll be like on the couch watching TV. <laughs> like, so I like that's know. not that exciting, but I'd like to see what other people are doing. Uh, okay. Would you rather travel the world for a year on a shoestring budget or stay in only one country for a year but live in luxury? Me? Yeah. Good, shoestring good for sure. So you yeah. travel the world on a shoestring budget or stay in one country and live in luxury for a year. Oh, I'm going to stay in one and live in luxury. <laughs> I, you know what? I knew you were going to say that. I, know, I, was, like, I was like, she's going to be like luxury. Like, I, I, I would just, do that, but I get bored really easy. So mm, I just, I like, I'm, I'm such a homebody that I'm like, let me just park and stay and just let me have a luxurious mansion. Okay, Kylie. I feel like I'm going to have to go shoestring budget too. Okay. I also get bored and there's also so many different places that I want to see. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That if that's an option. Will you guys send me, will you send me postcards? That way I can just live vicariously through you too. (laughs) How about you, Erin? No, I'm just going to be like a bougie baller in Italy. I'm just like, I'm just going to live there in my little palazzo and just have all the food and gelato coming in and do all the tours. And (laughs) I'm just going to buy all the things as that's, and there's going to be air conditioning in this. I love it. (laughs) 12th century building, but air conditioning is what we're going with. So good. That's so great. Okay. Would you rather wake up as a new random person every year and have full control of them for the whole year or once a week spend a day inside a stranger without having any control of them? <laughs> okay, so you rather wake up as a new random person every year and you have full control of that person throughout the year or once a week spend a day inside a stranger with no control over? <laughs> Such a weird question. I Where think- are you getting these? <laughs> 
The interwebs, Lisa. Oh my god, um, these are like deep. It would ones. be crazy life either way. So I'm gonna go with every year a random person because I would like control. Like I don't want to be waking up in a stranger who's robbing banks. I think that would be a blast, Lisa. I would totally do once a week, and maybe I would be Britney Spears a <sighs> day for a day to be Britney no, Spears. <laughs> I would love to be Britney for a day <laughs> because here's the deal: you would just be someone for a day. If they're robbing a bank, you don't have to stay in jail forever. You just true. get the experience of you robbing a bank. Get in, get out. Okay, that's a good point. How about you, Kylie? I feel like it just brings up too many questions for me. Like, am I? Am I? <laughs> like, what happens to my body? Is someone else? Is that another person me? Where am I? For a year? (laughs) So I feel like I'm going to have to go with someone else just for a day. Because I feel like even if I don't have control, it's only a day. I can get over it. Okay. How about you, Erin? I want to be somebody different for a day. Because sometimes I'll be in the hallway at school and they'll just be a little kid having their own little conversation in their own world. And I'm like, it must be so fun to be you. And just for that one day, like they've got their unicorn headbands on and they're walking backwards. And like, that must be just like the best to just, what would it be like to be you for a day? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Okay. My last one's really funny because it's kind of apropos for the time we're in right now. Would you rather every shirt you ever wear be kind of itchy or only be able to use one ply toilet paper? Well, I've been using one ply of toilet paper. So definitely. That's not fair. What would you, but, but would you rather for the rest of your, yeah. Itchy shirt. Yeah. I mean, so even without the pandemic also, like I remember like when we went to Vietnam, like they didn't have toilet paper. Like there was a lot of just, you know, so I'm, I hate itchy. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I could do itchy either. I think I'd just, I'd make one ply work. How about you, Kylie? (laughs) It's really funny because I feel like the shirt I was wearing, I haven't worn this in a while. And I was like, this is actually kind of itchy. I I feel like I'm going to go with itchy because I always itchy anyways. Like, I don't know if I have like some weird skin thing that I don't know about. So you're like, like, this is my normal. This is my baseline. Yeah. I don't know. I'd rather have two-ply toilet paper. I've realized recently how important good toilet paper is. Yes, it's very true. Okay, Erin. I would go one-ply toilet paper because in my head, I'm like, well, I could just put a lot of it together and then make it seem like two-ply. That's what the I was itchy, going for. I'm like, I can't do that. I have like that sensory thing where it's like tags and stuff. I'm yeah, like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. we're not doing that. <laughs> do you know what I actually was just thinking? What? Well, like I like, cause I haven't had a se- second cup of coffee yet. And I was like, I was thinking one square. I was like, oh, because I'm mm-hmm. still like, I'm on a two square like rash right now. Oh, no, no. So, so all of a sudden when Aaron was like, oh, no, like the pie, I was like, oh, we weren't even talking about what I was thinking. And I still chose um, one square. <laughs> That's what I hate being itchy. Then we get into the whole thing of are you a crumpler? Are you a folder? But I'm not going to go there because it's like a very heavy debate. Thank you guys so much. This was such a long episode, but I feel like it's an important topic with a lot of questions and everyone put in such thoughtful questions. Thank you so much, Aaron and Kylie, for your time today and just being willing to share your thoughts and feelings about what you've been through personally. So listeners, if you have additional questions and you want Lisa to come back on the show too, please email us. This is joyandclaire at gmail.com. We'll answer your questions or we'll put you in touch with the right resources if you need them. We always appreciate your feedback. Thank you guys so much for this episode. And I want to ask everyone to unmute. And everybody say bye to our listeners. Bye.
Like we do it, like we do it, like we do it Cause no one can 